This album is dedicated to all brothers and sisters. My men and my women. And hey, yo, it's time. Put our hands together for Hip hop, hip hop. Cause who I'm talking about, y'all, is hip hop. The stories of hip hop, of rap music, are the stories of a million MCs who, inside of them, the words are coming, the words they need to make sense of the world around them. The words are witty and blunt, abstract and linear, sober and fucked up. And when we decode that torrent of words, by which I mean really listen to them with our minds and our hearts open, we can understand their world better, and ours too. It's the same world. This is Rhymes and Reasons. My name is Pugs Adams, actually from Inglewood. She started out I'm a musician, painter, video editor, and pretty much anything creative. Houdini, that was the first tape I was ever ha allowed to have. Because my aunt, I think it was like for Christmas, it was just like, you know, it was one of those. Back in the day, you used to get these pages that would have like order these different artists, but it was selected artists, so it was only certain music labels you could get. And I think that was like the only rap that they had. I wasn't really a huge Houdini fan, but I knew like The Freaks Come Out at Night, I knew that record. So I was just like, okay, well, since Houdini was the closest I had to rap, and that's what I was starting to get more into, I had to play that tape religiously because, you know, then you had a Walkman and you kind of wanted to be able to play something that you related to. So, I mean, I learned that tape inside and out, but I didn't really care for what they were talking about, though. Houdini was definitely getting the ladies and having a great time. And I mean, I think I was maybe 12 or something like that. So it was just two different worlds. This those don't open to after dark. And it ain't till 12 till the party really starts. And I always had to be home by 10. Right before the fun was about to begin. Probably people lined up inside and out. Just for one reason, to rock the house. But in the daytime, the streets were clear. You couldn't find a good free anywhere. Cause it's from out at night. You know, they're freaky tales. I mean, they were, they were going in. And it was a really manly man kind of record. I mean, the guy didn't wear a shirt ever and was spitting these raps. I mean, living in Inglewood, you're kind of already immersed in those things, more crime and things like that happening. So you're not really pulled in by that. You're more pulled in, I mean, for me as a kid, by the things I hadn't experienced. And those are the things you're like, all right, what do they mean? What is that? And now how can I have this in a conversation? And that's what I was getting at, just saying like it was a little more advanced. Because I mean, and I mean, if you look at it now, it's to the point that same kind of thing as a 12 year old listening to certain artists that are very provocative in their message, where all they can take is really that one main message if they're already surrounded by the other things the person's talking about. Now when freaks get dressed to go out at night They like to wear leather jackets, chains and spikes They wear rips and zippers all in their shirts Real tight pants and fresh mini skirts All kinds of colors running through their head And you can just about spot a freak anywhere But then again, you could know someone all their life And might not know their freak unless you see them at night Cause My cousin Seagram, he was really, really into rapping but he was more into like the LL Cool J and that kind of thing and I kind of wasn't in the LL Cool J so I was searching for you know what music worked for me and in those times you would listen to a whole tape even if you didn't like it because you didn't really have many other tapes so you just would condition yourself to a point I guess to appreciate and then my dad he's playing like Prince and he's playing classical music and then Club Nouveau, something like that. You're taking it in, but because it wasn't your choice. I mean, you appreciate it, but you don't appreciate it how it would be if you discovered it. And then you're like, oh my gosh. I mean, a lot of times talking to people outside of the country and, and talking to people just, you know, with, with a different background. A lot of music that to me is commonplace. They're like, I never got to hear this ever. My parents wouldn't even, wouldn't play that for me. 
just I mean something simple, some of the dusty records here, and you know house music here, where that's just some a part of people growing up. my exploration because I mean you had the train there so you could go wherever you want to go. I loved it just because that's what I knew and then you watch the news and you're like oh wow that's what you mean with. I don't really relate to that portrayal because for me even with the violence I remember to like seventh grade where somebody I knew got shot and was, was dead but I mean I enjoyed it. My grandma lives here, my auntie lives here, we, we had a, a big house on Aberdeen Street. All my neighbors knew everybody. It was a bunch of kids. My friends had basketball courts in their backyard. It's supposed to be the hood in that way, but it was a lot of love. It was, it was pretty amazing. Because, I mean, you had like 63rd and then Halstead, which was just chock full of shops. As I got older, I started to work at Boulevard Arts Center because my mom was like the creative director there. And, I mean, just got to meet people that were doing things I wanted to do. I mean, I was trying to get into graffiti, which is there, teaching people how to paint. In that same space, I was able to fill my own parties and eventually start teaching my own art classes there and taking theater there and being able to enjoy my neighborhood. I'm out to bomb like Vietnam under the same name, Tame One. The bad one, Ink Flow Master, Bastard with the Magnum. I tag some quick and then I steps to the exit when it's time to get sefted. Or flex on some fresh shit, some whack crook. So my black book, I know who took it. I know it's so tagged because the fag writes his name crooked. The ink I use might stink, but you gotta think. I got my props, hops, cause my tags don't shrink. I'm tagging and bagging bitches cause my name is famous in the street. Cause they know my name's from cruising in the Jeeps. So yo, grab a can and put your man up and stand. For the fresh, never stale niggas off the third rail Deep dark and black like the magnet on my back It's that artifacts chat from the rocks out of the track Boulevard Arts Center was 6011 South Justine. It was an old church. They they housed art programs. And actually, I mean, they were like the first to do like a Gallery 37 type program. And then from there, you had Gallery 37 because they did it a year before. They just had a bunch of community stuff as well as kids' jobs. And then from there, it kind of you know grew to an artist space where people would show their work. They also had a store that my mom ran as well besides placing the artist to teach and that kind of thing. And they were selling wares from the artists, like handmade things and all that kind of stuff. And then uh, they were doing murals around the building as well as around the neighborhood. And I mean, to a point, it was, I guess, that thing that Obama refers to as that hope, that change in that way, just because, I mean, you know how big this building is. And if you have something that big, Whereas people excited and happy coming in and out of your neighborhood, and it's not just people from the neighborhood, that has an effect on everyone else. When I came out with my first rap jam, I had no idea that the record was slam. It did real good without radio play. Maybe at night, but no airplay in the day. I couldn't understand why to be exact. Our music was good, and I was far from whack. Then came the answer. Commercial was the key to get airplay and a spot on TV. Like Ed Lover and Dr. Dre for yo MTV raps. The show, mainly for the black, and still we can't ill. Cause the them that's wrong, cause like P.E. said, we're too black and too strong. But hey. What can I say? That's a price a rapper must pay. I was my cousin, he was really good at rapping, and I wanted to kind of be like him. In fourth grade, I had to write a poem about God, and when I said it, they just like, he, he, he's rapping. They said it to the teacher, they didn't say it to me, so it was uh, indirect, like, okay, okay, okay. And then I was like, well, I guess, the, I could, yeah, I could do it. From there, I just would try to make stuff. But I mean, for me, with rapping, I really didn't get in it where I kind of was consciously saying, I'm gonna make this tape, I'm gonna make these songs. And so maybe my sophomore, junior year of high school, 
and I had a tape. And I think at that time I was called MC Clue. And I only made one copy of the tape. It's funny because we're, we're doing this documentary about my old group right now. And one of the, the people I first asked to be in the group, he was like, you would let people see the tape, but you would never let anybody make a copy of the tape. And I was like, yeah, because it wasn't done. Like, it was just my start. And then from there, it was just, a, it's been the same thing in making an album, making a complete thing. Yeah, I know I'm an emotionally disturbed person. People think I'm talking to myself when I'm rehearsing on the rhyme. Mass production is the mass production. Man, I throw a pedal more to the left. There you go. Minimize the center. I said, why is it when I wind up for the pitch? But I don't pitch up pitch because sales get derailed and told. He owed an abundance. Of cash, damn! I let it go. He was my man. I tried to trust him, but I busted him twice in my trash can. And I'm asking, I don't need psychology to see the dichotomy in me. Knew something was fishy, but I'm better than wishy washy or topsy turvy. It kinda irked me that I caught him sleeping, 'cause I tryna be wide awake, but he slows it down so I can't dilate and show that I'm bigger than that. But I also have to consider the fact that opposed to him not being the right. I'm a light sleeper. I fix to feel like sleeper. I mean, that was just my favorite rapper. Like, that was the point where I heard somebody else like, I want to rap like that. That's how I want my stuff to sound. I mean, before then, I got really into like EPMD and I bought all their, their tapes and then the offshoots, DOS effects, and all of that. But I thought it was good, but I was like, that's not me. That's not my who I am. And just to feel it was just so left field. And. For me, I mean, I'm very technical in my raps. Oftentimes, at this point of me writing, and not to be like super conceited about it, but oftentimes people don't see all the intricacies that are going on in what I'm saying, because I've got it to a point now where I can make it very simple in one way, but in another way, it's very complicated and how all this is being put together and the structures repeating and other parts are alternating throughout a whole song and making that like a whole verse. And I just found it really clever how he was off beat, on beat, and then what part of the beats he was deciding to rhyme to, and then how on Casual's album, he had the best part, and he just did an interview. And he's just like, I'm just like, man, if this guy's that good in an interview, like, I need to be that great, man. That is amazing. When it comes to housing, arousing the intellect with intro, Flex on me? I don't think so yet, bitch. Bitch. My jetting is letting my exhaust across my balls. I smell the fear and the sauce in your drawers. For armin', hammer, charmin', grammar. I got the flow, G, the deep flow, the hobo, the dunction, the junction. The D stands for diesel. I ran into my extra pro nigger, real casual. He didn't say shit, he passed the split, and I hit it. Just with light sleeper. I just dug the beat, I dug just the sound of it. And then later, because I didn't really have cable as a kid, I saw the video and I was like, wow, this is some weird shit. It worked in you know, what I was doing with my crew, because we were very about style. So I mean, we were deep in freestyle fellowship. We liked far side, because they were very freestyly. We liked organized confusion, because they were very technical and they had really sick patterns in that way. For me, Saphir really just, symbolizes style in that way and a lot of people didn't like him and to me that was interesting as well because i'm like this guy is like the truth to me and other people like it's terrible like why would you you know want to be into that that song i had to hear it on hbk i mean at that point that became my bible of what kind of rap i'm listening to what i'm checking out as a kid we would just you just put a tape in and you would record it to the end and flip it over to the end and I mean, you would be half sleep, or it could be New Year's Eve or whatever, and you would just record maybe two, three tapes of each each night show. And it was uncensored, so you were excited. They would play a whole album, so you, you would get to test out a rapper that you probably wouldn't go buy, you know, a CD of, and be like, ah, oh, well, I do like that. Bored in my house, it's time for me to hit the streets and find me a freak without a bra under. It's over straight through, finished. Hey, you look like that that played in minutes. That's me, but I'm not celebrity stricken. They be choosing, figuring I must be oozing with that bubbling dope. They be saying, oh, he look right, plus his flow sounds high. I don't know what he be talking about, but it makes me upset. And at the same time, it kind of makes me wet. The game and the rhyme tell me that he's a 
Watch her days like some rays don't play me. Bob your head to this red shirt. Ride to my baby. Remove your hands from your drawers. No digging in designated areas. It'll make me think you're itching for me. Causing me to holler. Obscenities, they be dissing me. These swingers digging at and turn around and then smell their fingers. I caught one, no bullshit. No joke, that's why I had to stop hitting in those smokers. I be flashing on these. The type of shit I see on summer days makes me right, but I never bite when I be riding. Oh my gosh, she didn't like riding? Ride. <laughs> Trying to find me a freak without a bra under her blouse, man. Oh, that's true. You look like dude that played in Menace. That's me, but I'm not celebrity stricken. I mean, when you go off the on beat, people have to follow you. As opposed to the way a lot of people flow where you just follow the beat. It's, it's a, a, a discerning listener, I guess, will be into it. As opposed to just the, the regular average everyday person. But then when you look at somebody like Old Dirty Bastard, who would just be all over the track when he rapped. And I would find so many people that like that too. So, I mean, I think sometimes it's just personality matching your offbeatness, just the package of it and selling it and being like, this is it. The offbeat on beat, I mean, to me, is just, I write the challenge myself most of the time when writing those kind of raps. That would be more of a braggadocious kind of rap. And I mean, the offbeat on beat thing is just showing how much control you have over what you say. I mean, that just is the nip it in the bud. I mean, I just really got into graffiti, really got into rapping. Like, we used to have this thing called Morning Cypher, where I think it was like maybe 7 o'clock right before class would start. we meet on the first floor in this class and just three people would just rap together and then the crowd would come and then occasionally other people would jump in, but it was like our specific type thing. But in my high school days, it was very crew oriented. What's kind of missing now and one reason Odd Future really was able to do so well because it just doesn't exist in this, the sheer amount of crews that it used to be in rapping and just in general in that way. Also in high school, I mean, that's where I was introduced to Zulu and asked to join, I didn't join because I didn't really, I didn't really identify it in the way it was brought to me. I really loved it, seeing it from afar and watching it on TV and documentaries and reading about African Mabata and that kind of thing. But I wound up more following Chirac because that was more Chicago. And you know, a lot of those people were people that I saw grow. To see EC, to see Ange 13, to see like a base of two crew and a lot of the graffiti writer guys outside of them all become the, the kings and queens of their, their style. And also, I mean, they gave me a want to do my own thing as well because I was young. It's only so serious, especially when you're in your early 20s, you could take somebody that's 14, 15, 16, just because your lives are different. You're really like taking time out of your life at 21 and 23 to do hip-hop in that way, whereas at 16, 17, 14, 15, it's more of an escape from regular life of going home or not having, a, you know, whatever you're going through. Really. Without graffiti, 50 foot walls, they be worthless. The movie Beat Street wouldn't even have a purpose. Without spray paint, you couldn't even see the murals. Or Tupac and Biggie pieces in the Brookborough. No scribes on the bus stop windows and such. Nobody who crossed you out, so now you fucking them up. No backpacks, no permanent markers, I assume. No hit-ups in county jail cells and bathrooms. No peacing on the freight trains, creeping after midnight. Rival tagging crews, getting ready for the big fight. What would life be without 5-0 stressing? 
Well, I mean, Shyrock was just essentially a similar thing to Zulu. I mean, you had all types of people in it, and it was based around graffiti crews, breaking crews, rap crews, producer crews, and graffiti artists. I mean, you had people like the Moment that were part of it. Ans 13 was part of it. Draft crews like NUL and SB, you know, they would have their own chapters in it. And then you had like the old school guys, so that's like Basic 2, Artistic Affair, who ran the magazine as well. It was just all around everything you wanted to do in hip hop. They had somebody to represent it. But their ill state assassins as well. I mean, that was them. So, I mean, that's. Twister's crew and you know a lot of those, those people, Traxter and all that were part of it. It was more rugged though. That was the one thing. Shyrock was very rugged in that way, and I wasn't super rugged. So I mean, that was a, also a thing. Level. I was a little more preppy style-wise. So I identified with the look of them there, but I had the spirit of Shyrock in the by any means necessary. We're gonna do this kind of thing and them there was like the more like preppy cool guys but they could really break and they had like sick flyers like their flyers were just remarkable the drawings on them the record store dr white so. i'm just a bitch i'm on some different shit midwest i'm merciful call me magnificent i'm back on my click strong lost the iphone it's back to the brick phone sway troop jogging suit with the dookie rope carefree curl counting money like i'm flukey stones i'm on the hunt for paper player and daily profits raccoon hat with the tail call me davy crockett i'm old school i'm so cool ring on my fingers go across all four fool <laughs> Taking it back to gold nugget charm From a Chevy Malibu to a Cherokee to an Audi to an iPod to a Sob I mean, Chicago hip hop was very renegade when I got into it, which I, I liked as well. It was definitely like, if you saw someone in the street, you knew they were hip hop, like, you know, look to the whole thing as well, and the attitude. And you could kind of go anywhere and have fast friends. Because you're like, ah, really? Yeah, together, what's up? What's your right? What's your name? Whereas now, I guess I'm older as well, so I can't see it how younger kids see it and know, you know, what is specific in their generation, but I don't see it now. I can't really tell you because hip hop looks like everything at this point. And I mean, Chicago, you know, we're always the underdogs, so it's like when Tommy, you know, got his first deal, you know, it was cool. My dad actually bought me that tape and he read about it in the paper and he bought it for me. They really, really, really just wasn't in love with it. I liked the, like, the singles and two scoops and maybe one other song. But again, I mean, with what he was talking about, he was advanced. You know what he was talking about. So like, I don't really know about chicks. I played it, but when he did Resurrection, that was a record where it was like, oh man, this is Chicago stuff up and down. Like everything he's, he's talking about, he's repping us like super large. And I think like when Ron Fest and Juice started to win the battles all across the country, I mean, that was, you were proud. You're like, yeah, I'm from Chicago, we do this. Freestyling is our thing. And, and that was a big part as well, because in New York, freestyling was, you know, you just say a rap. In Chicago, freestyling was like, you create this whole thing right here on the spot. Something you never said. There was pride in that. And, but outlying, I think, was very blues in our music. Even though people make happy songs, I think it's pretty much always based on the blues. I stagger in the gathering, possessed by pattern that be scattering. Over the global, my vocals be traveling, unraveling. My abdomen is slime, is babbling. Grammatics that are masculine, I grab them in. Verbally badgering broads, I wish they're madeline. Was back on video LP. Raps I make up like blacks do excuses. I feel like Noah. Look at my mellows up on deuces. If a broad ain't got a mind, a job of cribs are useless. Acoustic bass lines embrace rhymes while I chase mines. They say signs of the end is near. I wonder, can I walk a righteous path? Hold it up here. I mean, for me, Resurrection was as magical to see the video. And it just had so much Chicago in it. To see the guys shaking up, it's a minor thing because they're doing a gang handshake. But for me, that's an everyday something I would see, and I had never seen anybody put that on TV. You would see about the gangs in LA, you would see about the gangs in New York, and all that, but nobody really showed what it looked like in our neck of the woods. And then they had like the mosque 
in there on 79th and they had, you know, Doug Infinite and all in breakdancing and it just was just really just straight up Chicago and just even how Common's dressed, like he looked like what you look like if you were hip hop in Chicago. And just the whole feel of that record, I mean, it's just like I used to love it as well. They, when he was working on that album, he just had a feeling in those records. I mean, my favorite record on that album is Niggas Be Rolling, just because that record was like crispy telling this is Chicago life and me and my guys, this is what we do. For the most part, that's what rap is, is telling people what you do. My mind is stronger than the pictures in your muscle book. With more manners than all of the Huxtables. Pain before pleasure. Death before dishonor. Turn rap wanna be piranhas into a fish called Wanda. Swordfish to mermaids. I lay down the law without being represented by an attorney. Overqualified for technical institutes. I get the job done when you barely make it past the interview. The streets is watching, eyeballing, careful. Everybody wants a piece of me like I'm a James Brown sample. In flames, call the fire warden out of town. Violent tourists, love grip, isotoners, sands of time, priceless moments. Disguised as dormant, plug vital organs with my bare hands. I fight your swordmen, smoke screen, rifle scorching. Even my Bible stolen. So the next rocket is from Thurston How the Third. And the first time I heard this record was actually on a tape. This is before it came out again properly with the lyricist lounge thing and all that. We were at Scribble Jam, and this is really why this song has more importance to me than it just being about polo. Scribble Jam, you would go, and it was like in the summer, and it was like a little mini vacation. You go to Ohio, and it was like three days of just breaking contests, rapping contests for cash prizes and performances and graffiti murals and mayhem with your friends, but all under the guise of hip hop. Life without handcuffs, concentration with the brain muscle tissue of Samsung, the bench press of a gold medalist in the Olympics, rifle reach of my new balls to all. I'm shotgun ammunition, soon to be airing when I'm not in my shell. Oh, you see all his balls, Barry. First, if we went, we sold like a lot of tapes and we just battled everybody and anybody possible outside and in the thing and on stage and at the hotel, all that. So, the next year we went, you know, we were really souped up, like, ah, we're gonna, we're serious on this. So then that was the year where it really became obvious that it's starting to become more rappers now at these kind of events. So you were just trading tapes with a bunch of artists. And I think it was like maybe a wholesaler rapper guy that had his tape with a bunch of other tapes of his own and some other people. And we were trading out and I saw the cover and I was like, ah, oh, man. I really don't know what this guy at Thurston House sounds like, but he's definitely into what I'm into. Cause like I was, I was starting to really get into collecting polo, and he was like all decked out, and I was like, okay, I need to have this tape. I don't care how it sounds, like I just need to have this tape because the cover is just ridiculous. And he's like in his bedroom, and it's just clothing falling out the closet all over the bed, and just you know, just ridiculous to the point where like, I get it. Okay, you got a lot. Promoter, I start your motor with a screwdriver. Break into your crib with a thinner or guchada or bed hanger. Who wanna get it on? My mic is cocked. I'm over anxious. Before battles, get a permit to come within two blocks radius. Kiss your mother, see your preaching, study fire exit safety tips. Ring with ya, a fire extinguisher. I make the whole scene bloody with an English touch. In '98, I'm still robbing people for sheepskin gloves. I sing gazelles. Read nothing when I sat in my cell. It was quirky. And he was using other people's beats, but the way he sounded on the tracks made the beats his own beats. And then he had a sense of humor as well. He just had this character, then he had the girl with the accent, doing the ad-libs, like it was just, it was just a lot going on. And then later when I actually got to see him perform some of the songs, he sounded just like the tape. And to me that was really amazing because the way he raps, it sounded like punch-ins because every line is directed at you. It's no no lines that are just lazy in his flow. And it was just like, wow. And then what he was referencing, because at that point, people made songs about boosting, but nobody really gave you, this is the life from front to back of 
me getting arrested to me getting away when i die bury me with the low on at my funeral just giving you this whole this is my lifestyle and this is what i'm about other people rap about other things i rap about this and i do it well a strong arm with lyrics watch how i prove myself with a shadow boxing or full contact i maneuver well about to have rap locked with rhymes two to a cell inmate in segregated housing unit refusing the mail nervous chain smoker our blood pressure the food of court jester lyrical sport express but tennis the mind of minota with special effect lenses parade of all stars rounds for bullet go don't play with a full death as positive as my drug urine test my rhymes do to your brain what bullets do to flesh rocking the house the cradle the boat in the eighth grade or to rock the bell but i was more comfortable in straight leg strong like the contribution to rap cane game my ego and my conscience refuse to share the same space treacherous like naughty by nature who mode wouldn't catch me half stepping even if i lost both feet as a kid i remember watching documentary about the low lives me and my friends would shoplift like every other kid did so we could relate to it and being from Inglewood, like I couldn't have a starter jacket. I could have a polo jacket just because it was less likely for me to get anything to happen to me because people wanted starter jackets. And my dad, he was always more of a preppy kind of dresser. So, I mean, it, it just followed suit. And it was just, you know, it was easy to get into in that way. At the point of having that tape, I was super, all I wore was polo at that time. So it was just right on the money of this guy speaking for me and to me. And then it just seemed also dangerous the way he was going about all of it. Because he had like this very braggadocio tone, but then it's like, no, I really did this. So it was kind of not just the gangster guys that we usually get fed of a tough guy. It was like this grand larceny guy that has just acquired all these things and then just the way they put the tape together was very similar to how we were making music too so it was just four tracks and we try to kill it one tape some songs are short some songs are long and you guys kind of funny so you put them on the record you know there's a lot of that and he had a wicked sense of humor as well so don't call me done till I'm finished Marcus Robbie Village, low items vintage Me, where FUBU, man listen That's like the Marlboro man smoking a wind Polo Rican From the cradle to the precinct Holding noise, mugshots, Polaroids You not thirsty as me, you neither With one sip I could kill a two liter Snatch calderas, con cualquiera Left hook izquierda, with tijeras Verano, hot, verano The streets is watching I think initially it is from watching videos because you see somebody you identify with and they're sporting it and it looks good. It just looks really cool. I mean, I was really into Eddie Bowers and Nautica and but it was just like when I finally really got into Polo, I just really like just the symbols. I like what it looked like, the materials, like, because before that, I would go to Kmart and I would buy, like, all the hunting stuff. I would have, like, all the crazy reindeer t-shirts and the hunter's jackets and the hunter's raincoats and the clear bib on the hoodie and all that kind of stuff from there, from Sears, all the work And then when I saw Ralph Lauren was making it, but he made it better. And the stuff lasted longer as well. And then every season, there was a bunch of new stuff to go get again. Become contests, who could wear the most. And, and then it just kind of was baseball cards in the same way. of like, I have all this series from 92. I have all this series from 95. I had the Arctic Challenge stuff. I had the Olympic stuff, et cetera, et cetera. Becomes, I have this whole section. And then, you know, people exchange. And you could trade clothes with people. And you then, you know, later I found you could sell these clothes. And for me, I grew up as a reseller because my grandma owned a few thrift stores. And then from there, I would sell clothing sometimes at Kenwood, some other students. With that being a big part of polo culture as well, is selling the vintage gear or you find something that you can't wear and somebody else gets it from you or trades with you. I could really identify with that as well. And then the key point is just that it never goes out of style.
Grand said it's part about the boosting station. I'm gonna say my proper from my identification. Ant low, AT dash LO. Don't you know I am a part of the light that live low? That doesn't mean we're scavengers, huh? We wear damage and guess use jeans. You see, we are the best that boosting. Houston haven't seen our style, but just wait a while. And you will see my job. I'll tell you the moment where I was like, I probably will be a rapper. 95, I just graduated from high school and I was in this art competition with Axel, you know, OCP, whatever, Axel competition, painting, and I won my region here, and, you know, there's kids from all over the United States, and they flew us all to Minnesota, so it was like, I think three days, basically, is your time there. And I think the first day, we just kind of got to relax. Second day, it was like stuff you had to go to and meet people, get, you know, socials and all that. And then it was like the competition where you showed your work and explained it. The whole time we were there, all we did was rap, like just freestyle upon freestyle. And it was funny because I met my roommate after my college days, Damon Lamar, the painter cat. I met this guy, Dinky, who was from this group Hall of Fame, and me and him later worked together at Power 92 doing like marketing promotion stuff. And then we started to do shows together at House of Blues, other places. And then I met this guy named Kanye West, because he had this drawing of like straw wrappers making out. So you can imagine like how tedious that had to be to draw these little straws. So, I mean, we were all there for the, like, the art, art part of it at every moment. All we did was rap. Even when, like when the cameras came on us, like, hey, how's it going? And, like, well, can you guys rap? And then like, we all got judged on our paintings, and then we all just walked out together, like, screw this, and just went to rap and have a crowd draw around us. And it was just like that energy. I was just like, man, I think that's probably the thing I want to do. At that moment, I was like, oh, I'm getting honored for it this thing that I've been doing since I was like six, but all I could think about that whole time was just man, man, oh, if my manager insults me again, I will be assaulting him after I fuck the manager up, then I'm gonna shorten the register up, let's go back, back to the gap, look at my check, wasn't no scratch, so if I stole, what am my fault, yeah, I stole, never got caught, they take me to the back and pat me. Asking me about some khakis But let some black people walk in I bet you they show off they token blackie Oh, not enough, Kanye Let's put them all in the front of the store Some on break Next to the no smoking sign With a blunt in them all Taking my hits Writing my hits Writing my rhymes Playing my mind This fucking job can't help them So I quit Y'all welcome Y'all don't know my struggle Y'all can't match my hustle You can't catch my hustle You can't fathom my love, dude Lock yourself in a room doing five beats a day for three summers That's a different world like three summers I deserve to do these numbers The kid that made that Deserves that made back So many records in my basement I'm just waiting on my spaceship Spaceships, to me, is just like that It's blues, it's, you know, we're talking about the Chicago sound And then I remember from that moment of seeing him do it and I'm like this guy he's really serious and then when we both were in college because I was an art student he was at the school for commercial design the other art school that one's called it's like right down the street and I just ran across him one day waiting for my friend Joker because he was going there too and he was like I'm quitting and I'm like you leaving school like you're just not going to do the school thing and he's just like I'm going to go do it and in that same moment is kind of like how it felt when we all walked out of that art competition like this isn't it and then just with that song i mean that's really everyone struggled from whatever you want to be if you're working a job you don't really care for it's like that's the fight everyone goes through of saying i need to make money but i don't like how i'm making money and I like something else a lot more, or I might even love something else a lot more, but I can't quite figure out how to get paid for it. I used to work and stake and shake 30 hours a week. Niggas ain't even supervisors trying to act like they cheap. Talk about get them fries, nah, turn to me. Sounding like a bitch, hit him in his mouth and quit. Try to picture this. 
king on a slave ship Working the grave shift and ain't even made shit Till my crooked ass uncle put me up on the lift Drop grease, then slip, get insurance, take trips Nigga, what? Set it up, get with shorty in the front I was skimming off the register Now I chase, shut the fuck up and do it my way Don't get caught on camera on your off day Like Ice Cube on Friday If I worked in the law, I'd be selling coochies out the back Got a gig at Blockbuster, selling movies out my lap Any job that I'm at, I'm getting goofies for they stack If the supervisor come, nigga, be cool and relax Y'all be working hard I be hardly working, and even though I check small, my pockets hardly hurting. If I was a DJ, it wouldn't take me long before drug dealers pay me to play their whack ass songs. At the artist dude, that was like towards the start of me putting out music for real with my crew in Acrobat. So, I mean, I was just really just using the, the music studio there like every Friday and Saturday. But at that point is when I started to really get paid for it. I got like my first big job. I was doing movie backdrops for this movie called Light It Up. And I mean, that just changed my whole way I looked at it. I didn't really feel like I needed school after that point. Cause I was getting like a thousand dollars a week just to paint graffiti. My, my, my mom was just like, what do you really want to do? And I was like, well, I want to do music. Got the song HBK in like, I think it was 99. I really knew nothing about it. I mean, even though my dad did it, but my dad did it when I was like a toddler. So I mean, I, I really had no recollection of it. My friend Taiwan, who was an acrobat as well, and he was working at Dr. Wax selling CDs and records. He knew how to work the board. He was real adamant, like, just really do it. This other guy, DJ K-Max, you know, by DJ Logic at the time, was like our, well, what, to me, was my competition in it, because he was alternating, but him and Taiwan were cool, but I didn't really know him, and I was just like, man, why don't we just do it all together, and then that way, there's you no know, alternating, and we could just go hard. Being 22, 21, you're pretty gun-ho about whatever you're doing. It was right when Chicago went to the new bus cars, the little paper thing, so we had made all of, all of our flyers look like CTA stuff. We were cutting out the little angle on the bus cards and all that and super passing them out, putting up posters. We would even dress in CTA gear. Like It was a whole experience. Taiwan recorded every train stop on the blue and red line and those would go in between the songs that we would play. And that Chinatown is usually when we gave out something free. So people always call up, did you say Chinatown yet? Did it go? Did it, did it go? You know? can't believe like we're still doing it just because it was one of those things we just did because the guys that had to show us that they had to go back to New York because you know they were done with school and I mean the cool thing about HBK was you could play curse words you don't have to be a student because it's more community radio but the uncensoredness of it is just like wow and I mean that's the first station to ever play rap in Chicago with chill. so I mean it was like Heritage and it was Hyde Park where we all kind of became hip-hop so it was just like ah it was a, a tweaky thing because I identified with KKC more because that's what I found out about first and that's the first station to let me rap on air but HBK was where I really got into other kind of rap and other artists just because they had more shows and you know they had less rules like KKC's rap show was maybe two hours or an hour Whereas HBK at the least you would get his three hours of rap straight. Yo, what that shit you freak with? That's the question. We got to seize the times, y'all. Wake up. Put some Afrocentric makeup on your mind. This whole world's about to break up. The biggest change in the show in the beginning we were more freestyle based. Like the whole show was kind of based around. 11.30 when we would open up the mic and like all these rappers would come and I mean sometimes the best stuff would be in the record room not even on air because they had been rapping from like 10 o'clock to that 11.30 part 
waiting to get on and you know it's been like maybe 15 MCs in the other room to go blow to blow so I mean sometimes it'll be like anticlimactic for the people that were there because you had already heard all these guys just say the most ridiculous stuff and then now it's like they're boxed in this short time and you know only maybe two three beats to try to you know make that magic happen and then we, we got into more people doing live battles on the show where rappers will go against each other they would continue on that kind of thing and so from that era we got to when i signed with raptivism records in new york as my management and they you know suggested because i was i think i did one mixtape and it was kind of based loosely on the show not like cta radio mixtape but just in the sense of all chicago artists because that was something else we always played a lot of chicago people if you had music with at least one time so i mean everybody from thigmajig to juice would get at least one time if you liked it then we kept going with it but you at least get that one chance to get it cracking letting people hear and trying to be consistent uh, are to me like the two things I try to fight with the most and trying to bring it when I when I do do the show and then also trying to be relevant because I mean sometimes you hear, hear people's radio shows and you're just like who are you playing this for like it's for you it's not really for other people I'm not in love with everything I play but I see significance in certain things where I'm like I think this is a good record to play to get somebody else to check out this other record and then just with artists every artist that comes to the show is not like my favorite artist but in the same way of like if you want to make some kind of platform it has to be open for everyone to at least try it Daddy bad on Toronto when it sounds so good. And yes, I got it popping just like I should. Caught a couple straight days. I with the flame. I'm looking in the mirror like, yeah, I still got it. Whispered in her ear, something she wanna hear. Broke out my phone, got a number in there. Guys and girls dancing, I'm so entrancing. Lady looking at me like, damn, you're handsome. Touring as Plug Adams, but majority touring as the electric, the group with uh, me, DJ Vadim. At that time, Cyber Jade, now Graziella Afina, and we were touring for our album called DJ Vadim Presents The Electric. Just riding it out, man. I mean, I didn't think we would even tour that long, but I mean, it was just continuous because it was kind of, we all meant because we had songs on Vadim's You Can't Learn Imagination record, and we did the tour with him for that, and in that tour, we started just to record so much music. And it was kind of like everything was sounding really good. It was like, well, well let's try to keep it going. See, I'm chilling now. First from Chicago now. Yeah, I'm on it, baby. I drive you crazy. Give me the keys. Nah, nah, don't go to me. If you ain't about it, then just let them be. Oh, oh, be about it. Act like you paid about it. You can't live without it. Like you would never doubt it. Yeah, I talk fat. Not on that fiction game. He was last seen in that photo. It was amazing. I mean, I got to live my dream in the sense that people will say, well, one day I want to do that and just to do things I never thought I would do. To be on top of Mount Blanc, or the Mount Blanc, not, but just to go to you know places like Brazil and see the slums and just connect with people that you don't know, you know, and really have an effect on their tough times and bring happiness like in Greece. We went there a few times, but this last time, right when it all hit the fan, and just you seeing people protest and just hurt with what has happened, kind of being able to make it a little bit better, you know? You can't solve the problems, but at least be able to take their minds from it. And it's just also getting an accurate description of what's going on. Because, I mean, watching the news over there of what's going on in America is totally different from living in America and seeing what they're telling us is going on. And just having a bigger vantage point when speaking, I mean, the way I, I write 
now is, is way different because I try to address everyone now as opposed to just addressing Americans in a sense, which I never really even thought I was doing. But being elsewhere, I, I could see those small underlying things that you wouldn't see as kind of, I don't want to say rude, but just, just kind of small-minded. American people do come rap, but it's not necessary. I mean, like a place like Spain, they don't really need any of us to come rap because they have their their guys. But the love for the genuine sound of American music is the, the biggest thing I really got to see, that appreciation. Because no matter where you're at in the world, you'll hear some Motown or you hear like just some crazy old American record just playing at the airport or at a store or something. It's like, wow. CNN. I mean, I know, you know, rappers have said that, but it is. I mean, whatever's going on is definitely somewhere in a rap right now. And since it's all based on sampling, we're sampling world speakers to, you know, to cheerleaders. I mean, it's, just, it's all relevant within rap. And I feel it's the voice of the youth, but now it's even the voice of the middle age. So that in itself is pretty powerful that it just broken out from just being a trend and you know just for it to be used in every music and the power that it has to use any music to make it 